You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 454 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Seth Miller and soon Fosma Moon. He's running a little late. So. <laughs> Can't wait for him to just randomly show up and in- incorporate into the show. Well, I guess I could have just left him out and just been like, I'm joining Seth Miller, and then Fos shows up later. <laughs> Hey, what are you doing here? Yeah, you weren't supposed to be. You got broke in. Uh, <laughs> well, um, what's going on? All sorts of things. Yeah, all you sorts for winter yet. You have your larder stocked. Like soup season has arrived. We made yeah, our first batch powder for the year, so that's exciting. <laughs> um, it's delicious. Love a good clam chowder. Uh, what else? Yeah, we haven't had a freezing day yet, so that's good. That is good. I need to double. Now that you reminded me, though, I need to go to double check if the outside water's turned off and drained. Do Do you guys get freezes this this early? Like, is it? Is oh it kind of... no, this is not generally no. Okay. We we had lows in the mid forties though, so. Yeah, we usually get like one, maybe in November, like one, like early November, like a really cold day. Sometimes sure. like Halloween, we'll get like a, a freezing day. But yeah. yeah, but I also now that I'm trying to, I should write some of this stuff down, or maybe I guess listen to the podcast later to rebuild my uh, project list. Uh, <laughs> I need to pressure wash a bunch of our window screens, and so I can't turn the water off yet. Ah, see, that's going to stand in your way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, we're getting we're getting towards winter. There's still outdoor sports activities going on. This being New England, we have a lot of rowing regattas. Yeah. So, and my wife rows, so I get to attend. What, do they do it like on the rivers? There is that kind yeah of common yeah yeah. So head of the Charles, which is the big one in Boston, is this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in Saratoga Springs the weekend after that, I think is the last one of the season. It's like, that's the Halloween one. Mm. And apparently some people row dressed up for Halloween, which seems a little silly, but <laughs> also the outfits that they normally wear are a little silly. So I'm not sure it matters. So she's a competitive rower. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, you've met my wife. There's a few things she's not that competitive about that she does. This is true. This is true. She's, she's usually good at what she does. So, no, she's <laughs> she's a smart competitor. She's, she's not, she decides she's not going to be good at it. She stops doing it. <laughs> oh man. Um. So we got a bunch of stuff going she on. Listen to this show. Uh. Yes. There is a bunch of stuff going on. We should get back on topic here. Mosaic. Uh, I get more benefits next year as a mosaic. Uh. With True Blue. With Jet Blue. So this is for their their highest tier. Mosaic's like the highest tier, right? Or what is it called? They, they redid things a year or two ago and added tiers to the Mosaic program in general. Mm-hmm. last year. Um, and so it used to just be regular member or Mosaic. Now there's four tiers of Mosaic. And they have the fancy names Mosaic 1, 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> Which I think we talked about at the time. Like, I'm happy. That it's, I think it's stupid naming. But also, it's better than precious metals and stones that I can't remember what order they go in. <laughs> the stones i i get confused by emerald and sapphire all the time well i mean it could have been colors right because the color of a mosaic right and colors of the tiles and whatever like which color yeah. is good and bad how do you anyway <laughs> um so there's a couple different things that happen that are notable uh in the changes they announced and these are mostly for next year uh everyone who and also i should say like one of the weird or interesting things they did it's not weird it's actually vaguely normal or at least some semi-common in the industry is you pick and choose your benefits rather than everybody getting all of them. Yep. And so there's a mix of everybody gets and then the perks you pick, they call it. And so for the everybody gets uh, Avis preferred status, 
okay. which I guess there's still some people in the world that don't have. I don't know. Uh, I've had it for far too long to know if there's people that don't. But I mean, you literally used to be able to get it for signing up for Avis with a New York City address. <laughs> they, they just gave it to everybody in New York City in like the early aughts. But putting that aside, so that's a nice one. Um, on the perks, uh, one of the other benefits that everyone gets at the top tiers, Mosaic 3 and Mosaic 4, which is about $150,000 and $250,000 worth of, or not dollars worth, sorry, 150000 and 250000 points or tier points, which is the equivalent of $15,000 and $25,000 airfare um, or 10x that in credit card spend. Okay. And you can mix and match. So that actually makes it easier to qualify, which I like. But anyway, if you're in Mosaic 3, you get four uh, Mint upgrade certificates, which is their premium business class product. And then if you're in Mosaic 4, you get two additional. They're basically system wides. Um, what they but historically, or the, the initial implementation, which was this last year, they only were you only got to sort of redeem them at 24 hours out. You discovered if there were any seats left up front, and then you got moved up. Yep. Under the new program starting next year you will be able to request uh, upgrades on the flights that you want them on rather than they just apply in on all the flights you book that have them in cabin. And you can request them at time of booking. And if there's space available, it sounds like you'll get the upgrade no matter what, as long as there's a seat to sell. Hmm. Um, it's right. It, it, it being JetBlue, the details are a little, uh, I don't know, missing. <laughs> But uh, they, but the other thing they've changed is that the upgrade cost, it used to be one certificate for domestic and two certificates for transatlantic. Yep. Now the prices will vary. Based on the route or demand? Based on, you know, the phase of the moon. I mean, I imagine it's going to be based mostly on what the fares are and how mm-hmm. they're selling the tickets. Mm-hmm. But they won't share what the number is. It's dynamic and they're not saying it, you know, sharing any additional details until it goes live. And so... I can sort of see, like, at time of booking, if you want to get, you know, premium seat, you know, a summer Friday or something to London, charging double for that. So that's four. You only get one of the. You, mm-hmm. you can only do it once. It's still maybe not the worst deal in the world. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. It's much like, you know, it's sort of like the system-wise back in the day. You know, you only got, what, four, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back in the day. So you still have to figure out how you're going to use them and, do you know, sort of plan it correctly. But at least those... I feel like it was either one or none. Either you got it or you didn't, but you knew how many it was. And being able to pay double or more to guarantee it is nice, but also you run out of upgrades in a hurry. Yeah, but like, so, I mean, I think we talked about it on another, probably a long time ago, but like United has the plus points now. And for a while there, they advertised, oh, you can pay more, basically, yeah. and jump the line. I've never seen that. Like, I've never actually seen it. Uh, and I was like trying, I was like desperately like I'll upgrade people and I'll pay yeah. double or whatever. Cause I got these plus points. So it never made, I never understood how, what they were actually doing. So it'll be interesting to see if JetBlue actually pulls this off. Yeah. So the implementation, right. Is everything there. And they're promising that you can do it all online, which is a big deal for JetBlue because they're <laughs> a lot of their mosaic benefits historically. I think I told you when they first launched mosaic five or six years ago, uh, they, added sort of last minute the ability to upgrade to even more space their economy plus extra legroom product for mosaics um it wasn't going to be part of the original plan and they're like oh you get three of those per member (laughs) just call in and we'll upgrade you yeah and they tracked it using a 
Google Docs spreadsheet. Oh God. And if you, but like if you asked at the airport, they'd upgrade you. And it was an unofficial benefit at the airport for a long time. Then it became an official benefit. Then it sort of went away again. Um, and now it's but, back. Again. But we guess, we guess those people. The airport you could ask because they couldn't update the spreadsheet. You That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you never got one like docked from you when you did it right. at the airport. A little bit of game theory there. But anyway, so that's that. And then the other thing is a perks you can pick. So when you hit the t- like the first tier, which is I'm imagining is all I will ever get to, I get to pick between uh, the ninety nine dollar co- credit for my credit card statement, a twenty tile bonus, which is you earn tiles, which when you get fifty tiles gets you to a status tier. Okay. Um. And a tile comes from a hundred dollars of spend or a thousand dollars of credit card spend. It's a, it makes sense, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice like forty percent of the way to your next year. But if you're not going to get there, why would you do it? Um, etc. One of the new for next year benefits that you can select is IHG Platinum status. Ooh, which is like legit. It's a real th- like better than a stick in the eye. Certainly, if you're in a hotel status. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So. Do you stay um, a lot of IHGs? No. <laughs> right, but like at the at the other end of it, and I look at like what the cash value is of the other things, and so like 15,000 points is pretty standard. It's about 200, uh, yeah, it's about 200, $225, so somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 cents each, depending on how you redeem. So, yeah. and that's a theory. I still have way too many true blue points I don't redeem. But like, would I pay $200 for IHG Platinum status? Maybe if I if I had a more standard travel schedule and like knew I would stay at some, a, a decent number of IHGs over the course of a year, yeah, maybe. I had, so. a, I had to go refresh my memory what what an IHG included. Holiday ends. Okay. Holiday ends. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but it's also like Intercontinentals and uh, Indigo Crown Plaza. A bunch of brands. Yeah, there's a bunch. Yeah. They got like six thousand properties around the world, so it's decent. Um, but anyway, those interesting updates. I think. You know, we have a weird collection of stories uh, this week of airlines maybe doing vaguely nice things for their elites or making yeah. it easier. So, like, I I can imagine there's going to be a little bit, depending on how they price these upgrades and if they, like, really screw people, there'll be some pushback there, or blowback. But overall, these seem like smart, smart, good benefits that are, you know, win-win. Yeah. Well, and so the, the next one, the next one, the next airline doing nice things, Southwest, uh, lowering the requirements for elite status. Go segment running, buddy. Oh, man. This So uh, for A-list and A-list preferred, which are their bottom two tiers, uh, previously 25 segments or 50 segments now will be 20 or 40. If you qualify on spend, those numbers don't change. Okay. And this, and if you have the co-brand credit card, uh, previously every $10,000 you spent on the card got you $1,500 or 1,500 points towards the spend recall. Uh, now, now you get basically double that credit. $5,000 of spend gets you 1500 points towards the tier. So depending on what, either way you earn good opportunity to earn faster. Wow. I mean, it is good news. Yeah. Unlike true you can't mix and match the two, which is annoying, but, uh, you can mix and match credit card spend and airfare spend, but not segments. Okay. So, um, and, uh, A-list preferred will now get three, up to three free, uh, two free drinks on board. Hmm. And they'll just print the coupon on your boarding pass, which is nice. Or I guess for digital boarding passes, there'll be an extra barcode attached. And that's on every flight, right? Uh, 176 miles and up. Okay. Other than that, they just do regular water service. So, yeah, I mean, I I could do with fewer drunk people on airplanes. But other than that, again, like, 
pretty generous changes makes with Southwest. It makes me wonder a little bit how substantial a shift have they seen in their product or in mm. their travel makeup, their customer base. Yep. Right. Like on top of everything else with airfares going up and they weren't an ultra low cost carrier that was always dependent on, you know, where their competition is either a bus or staying home, which yeah. you get from like a frontier or a spirit who are saying, oh, people went to Europe and then didn't take a second trip because that first trip was too expensive this year. But if you start looking at some of the other types of traffic they pick up, they, Southwest had a huge intra California, intra Texas and other sort of regional market business travel. Yep. And it's unclear how much of that has really come back. And so does, is this a way to try to grab the few of those that are still traveling and be like, Hey, I know your trip business travel is down, but like you're, you're getting close, come back and we'll give it to you. We'll give you status for 20% less just to keep you around. Yeah. Um, it's a good, I mean, it's a good question, especially for people who are using Southwest for like slightly longer flights, um, maybe yeah. like Houston to, you know, East coast or Houston to Phoenix or something. Or in like some of the secondary point to point markets where maybe it's not direct competition now, but where if you start seeing an Avello or a breeze mm-hmm. kind of competing, uh-huh. maybe it's from an adjacent to the airport, but like close enough yeah. that's that's the type of market where Southwest used to be their bread and butter, sort of point to point where no one else was. Yep. And so if they're losing some of that, this type of thing makes these types of benefits, I think really are pushing the value proposition there. So we'll see what happens. Their earnings call, I guess is going to be next week, I think. So we'll see if they had similar terrible Q3 as some of the LCCs are expected or ULCCs are expected to, but and if they give any color on this. But, you know, in the meantime, as a customer or as a passenger, this seems like mostly good things. Well, I mean, we, so we talked a little bit about the ultra low-cost carriers and kind of results and how well they're doing with travel and kind of like the dip in travel, I think, we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we'll that's... For that. Have you heard anything? Not for, not for some of the big boys. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like, have you seen... I mean, Southwest hasn't revealed anything preemptively. So, I mean, do you know of anything off the top of your head where Southwest might be doing better? I mean, they've got, uh, they've got Hawaii where that, that helps them, I guess. I don't know. Hawaii's a weird market right now. Yeah. Right. With Maui, with the buyers. And then just in general, it was a tough vacation market. So yeah, yeah. lodging challenges. But I think they were doing pretty well. The Hawaiians had some troubles. But um, now I haven't heard any reason Southwest would necessarily go one way or the other. Mm. Uh, Delta put their numbers out last week and they were very positive. So we'll see. Um, I guess I'm talk- we'll talk about that a little bit later in the bonus section, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's some, I-, I don't know that Southwest will say anything one way or another. Um, it will be interesting if any of the analysts press them on this issue though, of like, what are you changing your, you know, why are, the you, program why, why are you, you know, everybody else is saying we have too many leads. We've got to raise our rates. Why do you need less? Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. It's a fair question too. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's a question I would ask if I got it on the call. There's yeah. reason they let me in the calls. I was I was hoping I was hoping Foz would be on before we talked about this next one, but he's not, so he misses out. Um, so United Wilma. is what's that? Wilma, Wilma United is uh, going to start implementing uh, windows, exit row seats, uh, and then uh, a bunch of other stuff that they're going to do. So right boarding. now it's boarding seats. Yeah, boarding seats. Um, so I, I'm just confused by this a little bit. So we're going to go to seven boarding groups. Um, so it's going to use the pre-boarding system for 
you know, unaccompanied minors, disability, people with disabilities, active duty military, I'm guessing global services in 1K stay. Um, And then first and business class passengers will follow, which is a change as well, I think. I mean, they've always had group one, but it's if they're going to call out first and business class, that's that's an interesting change. Um, And then they're going to go window, exit row, non-rev passengers, and then middle and aisle seats. Well, I mean, there's also... Elites, just regular, and yep. credit card holders in the middle there. Like it's it's the last three or four groups that change really. Yeah. And instead of straight back to front, they're going to do window, middle, aisle. And this is there's what the, if ever there was a part of the air travel industry that has been in, studied over and over and over again, and people have promised over and over and over again benefits, and the studies never match the reality. I think it's boarding the aircraft. Yeah. And United has basically said things have slowed down to the, it's taken us two minutes longer per plane to board now. And we think adding switching to Wilma will bring it back down. Ignoring the, like most of the backup happens from people storing bags that, and, 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 and there's like, there's all sorts of reasons. It's, I think it's very little of it is, Oh, Hey, you need to get up so I can climb over you. Yep. So yeah, just like it's bad. Uh, I, I don't think this will matter. Also, like if you, when you do the studies of these things, like what's the fastest way to board the airplane? If everybody is there and everybody goes in order, the studies work. When one random guy sitting in a window seat in the back shows up late on an almost misconnect, like there goes your very fancy study. I mean, I think, I think it like in a perfect, like this is like physics, right? In a vacuum. Right. This system works perfectly. Fr- in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to survive the vacuum first and and then you can board the plane. But like, I just don't think in reality this really works. Um, maybe if they boarded everybody like this, like they didn't have any pre-boarding groups, well, but yeah. then but then they need to police bags, which they don't do anyway. Like I see people board. I've seen more people board with like four bags for themselves than yeah. any, and then they put them all in the overhead. And it's like, okay, well there went you know three other people's ability to put a bag in the overhead, yeah. um, and that causes all the problems. I'm I'm convinced bags are the number one cause. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> But they and the airlines sort of have rules to address it. And like we've been prom- told over and over again, basic economy was to address that. Like you know, United's version of basic economy with no bag. Yeah, we did the same thing. No bags, like no carry on, big carry ons, because they wanted to limit those and try to get them in under, into the belly as quickly as they can before boarding. You know, there's the there's the overcorrect where there's gate agents who are like, oh, group three, everybody check your bag from here, and like, but there's half empty bins everywhere, and it's also bad. Um, I mean, I've gone, yeah. I've gotten to the point where, where if you have a carry on, I, I want to tell people this, like if you have a carry on and you don't really want to carry it on, like you're just like, I'm just carrying this on because I don't want to pay $25 to check it or whatever it is now. Um, just wait at the gate and be like, oh, they're going to make a call probably before boarding even starts. Hey, yeah. it looks like we got a full flight. If you want to check your bag, just go and, go and check it for free. Like it's yeah. so, it's stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, man, I, my last couple trips, I've actually checked my bag because that's a different topic. <laughs> I still want, I don't want to do, I, on the non-stop out, it's one thing. If I'm connecting these days, yeah, I and I know that increases the risk of it getting delayed or misplaced along the way. But like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm happy to not have to schlep it around a terminal, especially because crowded the terminals are these days. That's true. I mean, I've I've talked to other a few other people who travel quite a bit, and they're like, yeah, I've just been checking my bag. I mean, which is fine. I just think for me, I've had so many close calls recently where it's like not close calls, but like yeah. close connections where I'm like, my bag wouldn't have made it. Yeah, and I've had bags miss. I'm, I had that happen a year ago. Coming back to New York, like there, there's some 
times where I look at them like absolutely not, and I just deal with it. But yeah. um, I also like schedule myself late this past couple like my big trip to LA and Lisbon. I gave myself a two day cushion at each end, so like if they lost my bag, I, I give them forty eight hours to find it. <laughs> Your faith in the airlines is amazing. <laughs> or, or at that point, I get a credit card out and go buy clothes, but like and use the insurance. But like, I had I had a cushion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not like I land and I have to immediately switch into a suit that's in that bag and go to a meeting. True. Foz, Foz has joined us. I want to know Foz's thoughts on Wilma boarding. With what? With Wilma with the uh, Windows first. With the flashback to the Apollo days. <laughs> I mean, that's what the old United used to do, right? Like, yeah. it used to be Windows, then Middles, then Isles. And this yeah. is not Showtime at the Apollo. The uh, I guess the era is roughly the same, though. It's the software that runs the era. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, Foz, do you think... I, I, I found it interesting in the memo they called out non-revs. Like, that's, that's what's interesting to me. I mean, they could stop giving non-revs premium seats. Well, I think what's interesting is that in in my experience, when I've seen non-revs on, they usually board with like one case. Like they'll just yeah. go up and board with the one case, which is fine. I don't really care. Like they're traveling as long as they're, I don't know, as long as they're not jerks about it. Like I don't have a problem with it. It's just interesting that kind of United putting a policy in there quietly to maybe curb some of that. Well, I mean, look, I mean, there's always favors for fellow airline employees, right? Yep. And it's just like the... Uh, you know, we used to see more with upgrades before there was a little more accountability. Yeah. And so I think this is just another way of holding them accountable. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I mean, non-revs tend to travel like their crew from a baggage perspective. <laughs> and they bring, I mean, we were talking about that too. Like they bring four or five bags. No one cares. Yeah. yeah. And what I've seen is more and more non-revs are boarding even before general boarding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they're getting on and taking up all the bags, and of course, they, they always put bags in the forward cabin. Yep. Well, I mean, even I, if you're... I fly coach these days. I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. We'll see how this goes. I think, when does it get implemented? Is it coming up in the next couple of months, I think they said? Uh, try to find the date here. Doesn't say, um, but the memo, you know, October 26th, sorry, the memo came out and says October 26th. So end of this month, we'll see, we'll see how this, this goes. Are we taking bets as to how long this will last? I mean, typically it's every 18-ish months they change boarding groups, right? I mean, I kind of joked that I was surprised they didn't announce a new livery to go with this, so. I mean, it's great that you board the plane two minutes faster, but if you're not going to push back from the gate, what's the point? <laughs> this is, yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't been catered, so it's going to be another 35 minutes. Um, tell me about Beyond Airlines, Seth. All premium service. It's been a while since we had one of those, right? It's been a little while. Um, they, they're very careful to say it's not all business class because they don't cater to business travelers. It's a leisure mm-hmm. premium airline focused on bringing uh, passengers to the Maldives. Because that's what the Maldives was missing, was passenger service. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's a whole lot to unpack out of this. So the airplane looks very cool. The seats, are, it's a 2-2 layout in a single aisle plane. Uh, they were hoping to have their A321s by now. But like many others, they're facing delays from Airbus. So they started with a 319. 
Okay. 44 seats on board. The 321s will go up to 68 when it comes around. It's a 2-2 layout. It's designed with very low monuments, no doors. They want it to be an open feel because they assume that you are traveling with a significant other and or family and want you to all be able to interact together. Okay. Rather than having privacy on board. Um, the in-flight entertainment is iPads that sit in... Uh, there's a little stand built into the seat. Uh, there is no in-flight internet because you might use it and they want you to uh, immediately go into a digital detox while you're on board, which is a cute soundbite, but seems like a terrible approach to business. In reality, I think it's they don't have a product that they're willing to pay for, but, you know, their version of digital de- detox sounds better. Um, <laughs> what else? What else? They Because it's a 319, their first markets are Zurich, Milan, and Riyadh. The Zurich and Milan flights have to tech stop in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, the they're going to add, you know, obviously when they get the three twenty one Neos and the LR and the XLRs, they'll have additional range and that'll help. But it's you know the plan is to get there's just some like some weird numbers like the plan was to get to thirty airplanes within five years. They're going to serve most markets two or three times a week and sort of grow from there. But like. And a reasonable comment is when you know them all these on vacation, you're not going for one night. We don't have to fly every day. Yep. We, you, you know, you fly twice a week. You can have a four, seven, 10 or 14 day vacation. And that's actually a reasonable take. And yeah. obviously the numbers go up from there if you want to spend it even more time. But like you look at that and you're like, okay. And if you figure the average typical airline, 75, 80% load factor, number of planes they have, number of markets they're planning to serve, et cetera. And the number of passengers that they're planning to carry And, like, they have – the passenger count number doesn't line up with the number of planes they have in, like, doing – like, each plane basically goes one place every day. Hmm. It's out and backs, right? Like, there's no accounting for a plane, you know, higher utilization of the aircraft. Yeah. If you think, like, they're bragging about how quick they can do turns, that only matters if you actually need to turn the plane. If your plan is to not have that many passengers, then what do you care? Yeah. Or not that many flights, what do you care? So, I mean, what is the what's the fares that they're charging on this? Do you, um, do we know. Yeah, so it's between fifteen hundred and three thousand each way, depending if you buy one way or a round trip and a couple other things. So it's cheap. I mean, relatively speaking, they've undercut the prices. Uh, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was wondering about. Is like, why would I fly these guys over, especially with the tech stop, over say someone? Tech stop will go away sometime early next year, but yeah. but like, that's the other thing. It's like, and compared to a not tech stop, but a regular connection in Dubai or Doha. Mm-hmm. This is better. Yeah. At least you don't have to get off the plane, but you still have to wake up because you got to land yep. in the middle of the night. And it's like a 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. departure from Munich. They say Munich, Milan, Zurich. I don't know what, which yep. are those. Or I should probably get it right. Um, so, yeah, it's just there's just some really. Um, I don't even think I wrote the markets in my story about it. Uh but yeah, I, I don't know. There's some interesting, interesting bits about that in terms of the experience, the passenger experience. Like they also have fair families. Hmm. Um, Munich and Zurich are the first two, not Milan. I'm sorry. I think Milan may be a secondary one, uh, the next round. But you know, like, okay, so I leave at 10 p.m. I fly five and a half hours and I got to wake up to land instead of having like the full night of sleep. And then hmm. with the tech stop, you land in the Maldives at 630 in the morning. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, again, the reg- the other airlines aren't that much better, but 
more options. It, it's uh, the good news is they'll have uh, later departures from Male, okay. so you could theoretically so it won't be like a morning. Yeah. yeah, you won't have to be like out the resort at six a.m. to get back to the mainland to get. I know mainland is a weird term for an island country, but the bigger island <laughs> to get to the main airport, um, etc. But yeah, it's not. It's going to be interesting. Also, like, there's not that many seats. Fuel is expensive. And they had some serious greenwashing bullshit going on in the pitch. Like, hmm. oh, well, our carbon footprint per plane, per trip, is so much lower that it's good. Like, <laughs> but you have, like, half the carbon footprint of a 777. Okay. But a 777 has 300 additional passengers on board in economy class. Plus a ton of belly cargo that the island actually needs. Yeah, you can't carry either of those things. Not good. Yeah. So the greenwashing part pisses me off. There's been way too much of that lately. Um, I hate yeah. the name. Can we talk about the name? Oh, so they take you beyond, and we got rid of the Y because the O is like a window to the future in the middle, and it balances really well. I'm paraphrasing, but that's roughly what the guy said. Yeah, I just vomited in my mouth. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> WTF? <laughs> like, no, I, I'm drinking, so I won't be vomiting, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's terrible. I mean, it looks like it's, it looks like the name should be Beyond. beyond. Like, yeah. Well, listen, yeah. They, they're a luxury brand that just happens to fly airplanes. So, you know. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, all right. AA, American Airlines. Uh, wants to bring back JFK Haneda. Interesting. So Delta gave up their slots. Yep. For the Portland route. Yep. Uh, United applied for Houston service. American, uh, a week or so later, applied for JFK service. They used to operate the route back in 2012, I think, 13, 14-ish. Yep. That was when U.S. Airlines only had nighttime slots at Haneda, and the service, the, the flight times were terrible for in and out of JFK. Um you couldn't get a decent. You couldn't even land at a decent hour. You couldn't arrive at a decent hour. It was bad. So I don't know if I agree with that because it was. I thought it was like a one a.m. departure with a five or six a.m. arrival. No, I think it was the other way around. I think you landed at an eight at like one and left at four or something like that. Oh, maybe okay. I'll try to. Pull, I'll try to pull up. We're still talking here, but it was. It was really bad. Um, the plane was always empty. I mean, also, American had minimal long haul. Has minimal feet of JFK. They still do. NEA collapse isn't helping that, but they're trying. Wouldn't it make more sense, though, to do it out of Philly? We talked about how they're trying to build Philly up. Like, wouldn't that make more sense if they were applying for this to say, we'll do Philadelphia? And do you, like, you'll get O&D traffic out of New York. You will not get out of Philly. I, but I would argue that's, that's irrelevant because Jow flies twice a day, JFK, and you can put everybody out on that. I don't know. Yeah, so the flight left Haneda, left JFK at 7 p.m., which was okay, landed at 10, 15 p.m. in Haneda plus one, and then returning, it left Haneda at 7 a.m., which was really hard to get to the airport for that early in J in Japan, in Tokyo, and lands it at JFK at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I think the, from a, the only time that su really sucks is the departure in Haneda. The 655? Yeah. Driving at 1015 wasn't great, but it wasn't debilitating. No, but you still, like, in some ways that's great because you roll into your hotel and then you're ready for work the next day. It's not good for connections. And for O&D, it should be fine. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I you mean at, at the Haneda end? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know what really ended up happening, but I, I remember people complaining all all along that the timing was very bad. But I can tell you what really happened. So, AA can't. Sell what, what really happened? AA can't sell seats to Asia. There's also that. He's <laughs> there. That was. I don't know if you guys remember. That was a big part of their rebranding. Yeah, they're like, we're you're not flying to Asia. Well, no, no, getting rid of the. <laughs> Getting rid of the eagle with the talon claws exposed was yeah. considered like Both. bad in Asia. Yeah, that logo. So anyway, um, for how long did they have that though? They were like, we just figured that out. Like, anyway, are they using that as a green To be yeah. fair, Asia's new for them. That's true, and and now gone for the most yeah. part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but. They're trying to bring it back. United wants the slots. Delta has made clear it's not going to apply for to reuse those uh, its slots that they gave up. So um, the interesting slash fun part about this is now the DOT has to have a selection process and actually go through the whole application thing and make them all prove what's useful, yada, 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 and then pick one, which delays everything. Yeah. So they're, they're going to fly. Delta's going to have, is it Minneapolis? It'll be Atlanta, Detroit. Honolulu, uh, and Seattle, I think, to Haneda. And L.A. Oh, yeah, and L.A. So I'm a little surprised they don't have Minneapolis. I know they didn't want to apply for that. Um, I know that they serve a lot of that traffic through Detroit. But then what about what about JFK? Like, why not apply for JFK for Delta? Um, that's a fair question. I think that it comes down to they recognize that they're just giving up the slot. I mean, I guess they, they could have applied to move it, but I think that as they're trying to, you know, the competition there, we've got double daily from ANA and from JAL already. Yeah. Right. Like, what are you really going for? And you have United from Newark and they might also have a problem with planes. Oh, yeah. like having enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, if I remember correct, I'm pulling it up here. Like, yeah, so between JAL, ANA, and United, there's six daily flights, New York City to Tokyo. Five of them are to Haneda, and United has an extra Newark to Narita as well. But would American be better off doing, like, Seattle-Haneda? I think they should apply for Portland-Haneda. Bazinga. Hey. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced, like, American doesn't really care enough Foz. like they're just kind of like showing the effort and they're like yeah we could do jfk i guess and, and, then, and they, you know with the jv with jow maybe there's access to a third time of day slot but again you typically fly that morning or evening not midday because of arrival times and whatever maybe there's extra demand that they think they can pick up maybe it's they'll pick one up and jow will move one somewhere else and maybe it truly, because right, like United, if it picks up, if it gets its slot at Houston, it's just going to move the Tokyo flight from Narita to Haneda. It's not going to add capacity into Japan. You actually raise an interesting point, right? There's been a lot of rumors that JAL is going to start Miami server. So I wonder if AA is entering the market so that JAL can move their Haneda flight to Miami. But they wouldn't need the DOT's approval for that, would they? AA would need it because. JAL doesn't need DOT approval, but AA does. And if they want to keep double daily in the New York area for their JV, uh, that's a good point. They yeah. Do it. yeah, that's um, just good. And because of the way this particular access is set up, you can't have 
you, right, you can't just shift one of the random routes to the U.S. side. You have to get approval. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Also, if that Miami route actually happens, I'm going to be. I, mean, they, I know they've been wanting it forever. That's a really interesting option. And is that a big market? It's a no. It's, it's a South and Central American. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. It's not yeah. about the O and D. There's huge Brazil traffic to Japan. Interesting. Um, yeah. Right. That's why. And into yeah, there's been an, into Korea. I think right. Like there've been. Yeah, and if we go back in the time machine, right, for a while they flew L.A. Sao Paulo. Yeah, and then so they could just feed traffic through there. Exactly. Yeah. And Korean did as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but did Korean have fifth freedom rates on that? I think they did. Okay. Jawa, I think, did at one point too. Yeah, there's been some really interesting routes out of South America via the West Coast to Asia, but so doing it via Miami is only a little out of the way because hmm. the, the weird shape. I mean, I, I think I think the best is the. I'm looking at schedules here, like Ethiopian. They can fly, they fly Sao Paulo to Addis, and then Addis to Seoul, and then they have a they have a fifth freedom flight from Seoul to Tokyo. <laughs> uh, Ethiopia has a bunch of fifth freedoms. They do like I think they have the Bangkok Singapore too. Yeah, they do Bangkok Singapore. They do Hong Kong to somewhere else. So yeah, fifth freedom. Get along that on board. Uh, Manila, Bangkok, Manila was one also. Oh yeah. Um, let's talk about ITA Airways. Uh, they're not done yet. Um, uh, new destinations for summer 2024. Yeah. It is the season to make those announcements. Um, so a few interesting ones. Um, I thought Chicago and Toronto get <laughs> basically go start at six X next June or next April and become daily next summer. Um, Accra and Dakar in Africa. Okay. Um, Riyadh and Jeddah, and then Kuwait City, also across next summer. The those last three, the Riyadh and Jeddah ones in particular, they've got a they've got approval with from the DOT to sell Saudi code shares, so they can do Saudi feed through and pack the uh, and load up into the United States. Of course, until Lufthansa Group takes over and says, "Hi Saudi, you're in Sky Team, please go away." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah good times uh, no, this was a smallish news but I think the seeing where they're trying to grow and what they're trying to do apropos of, especially apropos of how Lufthansa Group wants to sort of build the network out or will want to there's a uh, Carson Spohr made a comment the other day about how he thinks Africa is poorly fed and routed via the existing hubs of Zurich Frankfurt Etc. Yeah. yeah, even Brussels, which has a ton of feed, uh, to get onward, and I, I just I keep looking at that and thinking, okay, cool story, bro, but what you really need is Lisbon for those to work. So I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did at some at some point did IATA lease the dartboard and pass it around to all the airlines? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, so your home airport, Seth of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Has uh, had some issues. Yeah. Um, I listen. If I can't talk about things personal to me, why are we even doing this? There's there's always an aviation angle. Is that what you're saying? There's always a local angle. More than there. <laughs> uh, the Pease Air Force Base at Portsmouth, or the Portsmouth Airport at Pease, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they didn't have any fire engines left. <laughs> they had a couple broken ones, but with no working fire engines, this is a couple weeks ago now, with no working fire engines, they couldn't have Allegiant land. Wow. They had to cancel a couple of Allegiant flights because they didn't have any fire engines just in case. 
Wow. And what happened to the fire engines? They broke. Like as well, fire engines do. Like, but like the engine, I don't know, an engine gasket, something, whatever. They like they didn't catch on fire, as best I can tell. But uh... <laughs> I think the where I'm going with this is they didn't think it was an issue when they got down to one. I think they only ever had one, and then they were play- They got a sp- when that one started to break, they got a spare, and then like they sort of keep picking up old spares, but never actually repairing the ones that are broken. Because so they have like a new one. so they have like, a, a graveyard one. of fire so, yeah. engines. <laughs> <laughs> Did they take maintenance lessons from Air India? Basically. It turns out there's a joke, actually. I I know enough people around here now. There's like a joke that there's station one is the actual fire station and station two is where they park all the broken ones. <laughs> so anyway, they to solve this, they rented, they found something available out of Rhode Island and drove it up. And it's also like 20 years old and needs work. So we're just, like a, no, it's like a crank, you know, a crank engine, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're counting the days and, you know, until this one fails too but in the meantime flights are operating again but it is also funny just like little things like that can actually derail an operation of an airport i have to imagine the air force has some fire engines right well it turns out the air force is the ones who are sort of responsible for running all this stuff if i understand it correctly are you serious yeah it's your national guard not but yeah well i mean yeah it's a branch of the air force but yeah yeah but we keep a bunch of uh kc-46 tankers for refueling around here too so, yeah, but they don't yeah, need I'm fire. Just, I'm just surprised that they would. Well, and they're full of gas, so <laughs> great. Now, they, uh, technically, they're allowed to fly if they, without the fire engine around because you know there's not passengers on board. Lovely. Oops. Okay. Let's see. Um, what else we got here? Uh, AA is backfilling their NEA breakup in New England. What's what's happening? They've got a whole bunch of routes they're adding into Maine to Hyannis. Martha's Vineyard, uh, hmm. some real like the optimistic take on it is they had NEA for what eighteen months or something like that. They have all the data now of the frequent flyer traffic and everything else of where people were actually flying, and they saw demand, real demand that they couldn't have modeled properly without the real data. Hmm. And so they're going to fill that out, and they're adding some real interesting summer routes. Um, and it is some good stuff. It's uh. DCA to Hyannis for the summer next year, LaGuardia to Bangor, Halifax, Hyannis, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, and Portland. All of those are summer service, like June through August or September, with the exception of Portland, which is going to go double daily year round. And that was when JetBlue was. Um, JetBlue, with the exception, I think, of Halifax, operated most of these routes already. Okay. I don't think they operated in Bangor. Uh, yes, you're right. United had the Bangor service, not JetBlue. And AA's done that route before. Yeah, so they're bringing it back for the summer. Also, I think we we have learned that Maine demand in the summer is almost like Florida the rest of the year. Um, a whole lot of people coming to Maine these days. But anyway, it's some real, in- again, interesting routes. Definitely looks a lot like, hey, JetBlue's not flying. And it's all U-175s. So all regional, they're putting a bunch of regional jets back into markets where they tried to pull them out before. So definitely uh unwinding some of the nea stuff and backfilling it <laughs> well um and then lastly rolls royce uh is cutting some jobs uh confirmed about- or just reported that's they're reported as early as tomorrow okay 2500 jobs oops well cost cutting well, when your engines don't work, anyway, 
Yeah. Wouldn't you need more people then? <laughs> <laughs> to fix the... Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Pause. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it's so awkward. Uh, I missed... I, I think I removed on accident the pressure bulkhead story. Do you have that one? Is, that... Did we have that, is it down below in the bonus topics? Uh, no. Yep, you deleted it. Yeah. I did. I did. Um, so the, the Spirit, Aerosystems, 737 Max pressure bulkheads that needed a bunch of extra inspections. Uh, originally, they were only inspecting the ones that were machine-drilled, and now they also have to go back and add a bunch of hand-drilled ones to the list, so that's not good. Wow. Crazy. How, how in this day age, with quality control of where it is, how do we miss these? Well, I mean, where is quality control these days? I mean, with I, all these different ISO certifications and, you know, all these companies claiming to have such rigor in these processes, how are these things getting missed? Oh. Yeah. I mean, it could be that just it's you're I, I hate I hate speculating, Foz, but I think it's like some of it just gets lost in the noise. That's my speculation. Like you're just doing your thing, you you you're randomly checking, and they you, people miss things because people are human. No, and I understand that people miss things, but you know all these processes are supposed to be for check. They're supposed to be checks and balances around these, right? So the question is, like these are minor things, but what's preventing something bigger from slipping through the cracks? Like, yeah, no, there's there's a failure in the process as it is, and these are the these are the canaries in the coal mine. Yeah. Yes. I mean, right. This, if you want to extend it to a terrible level, this is what happens when you let a random DJ become a MRO and start pretending that he's actually certifying new parts and they end up in engines without being inspected. Exactly. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of trust in the system because you trust that no one wants to screw up. But, you know, would you trust that Boeing didn't want to mislead? regulators and certify a plane that wasn't really doing what they thought it was so the, the ODA stuff with the max like there's a whole lot of and a lot of that's now we're starting to see it sort of come full circle where greater regulatory scrutiny is being applied but yeah that there's some weird shit going on um, I think that's pretty much it guys anything else you want to talk about before we get to the bonus I'm good Cool. We're going to talk about some Emirates uh, loyalty stats. Uh, Delta talks loyalty as, w- as well. Uh, KLM's getting uh, a little worried about Amsterdam and the slot cuts. <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, some new AA business program details. So uh, we're going to talk about all that and a little bit more in the bonus for our Patreon subscribers. So stick around for that. Uh, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, uh, we do still appreciate you listening to the show. And we will talk to you in the next one. Happy travels. Take care. Catch you later. <laughs>